Welcome to Captivated Audience. I'm Sam Sheen, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Marilyn Berg. It's my pleasure today to introduce Greg Volarczyk, who is joining us today. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? Hi, Sam. Hi, Marie. I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Could I please ask you, Greg, to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you, where you work, and in what jurisdictions you're based? Thanks, Marie. I work at Fintrail. I work in our office in London, or currently, obviously, working from home. As a FinTrade, we are a consultant supporting the global fintech community in fight against financial crime. When Gemma and Rob founded the firm back in the days, they founded it with a simple mission statement. We believe that our all companies should have the opportunity to thrive free from the threat of financial crime. So, Greg, you mentioned that your team is uh, currently working from home, or at least you are as well. Has it changed the way that you work in any way? Well, remote and flexible working is nothing new for FinTrail. I mean, we are not a big team and we have offices in London, Singapore and the US. So we need to somehow work remotely. Although I do miss the face-to-face element of our client work. However, a, a video conferencing is able to a certain extent to substitute this. We, we definitely in the past executed the whole projects totally remotely, whether working with the clients from Latin America or, or Australia. So, you know, you've got all the tools to allow you to collaborate uh, remotely, the video conferencing or the Google uh, Sheets and so on. Greg, you're much more involved in the financial crime space. And just before I jump in there, a lot of people assume because fintechs are largely technologically based that the, the issue of human resources isn't that big of a deal for them. Well, I agree. If probably on the surface of that, you would say so, that this is all about technology, this is all data-driven and so on. But at the same time, I think it's great to hear and see some of the examples I've seen recently with one of the clients we we're working on where a couple of my stakeholders literally disappeared from the office overnight. And the reason they were no longer working from the office back from home is that the business made decision and that was well a week in advance of UK's government to ask the key workers to self-isolate work from home to protect them because they know they're the biggest assets to the company. That is really interesting. The human aspect of it, definitely. When we met the last time, that was in February in Sweden at the Stockholm FinTech Week, if I don't remember. We discussed a lot of different typologies and the different type of crimes you know, the FinTech community was then trying to get ahead of, so to speak. You're based out of the UK, and I do know that a lot of regulators have issued notice warnings of COVID fraudulent scams and, and schemes. What's your take on that? Well, we certainly have been flooded with uh, scam warnings from regulators and law enforcement agencies. I think only last week, the NCA published like a whole uh, comprehensive report, as well as there was one from Europol. So there's all of that information out there. But to be honest, most of those scams are just, just a new variation of the old scams, you know, whether that imposter scam or product scam or investment scams. You know, this is just preying on people's fear and confusion around COVID. Which is kind of easily done. I have myself seen a few different scams uh, circulating by uh, LinkedIn or text messages and whatever. So I guess we're back to the old saying of staying vigilant, right? That's right. I, I must say the, the scam I've read about, which really made me stop my tracks, was the one I think I find the other day. This is basically a new spin on the good old sextortion, where you might remember in the past people were getting emails saying, you know, we've got your picture. If you don't pay Bitcoin, we will release that to your friends, your colleagues and so on. 
So apparently there is a new version going around where people are being told, if you don't get paid, I will infect every member of your family with the coronavirus because I know where you live and so on. I mean, this takes scam to the next new level for me. I mean, is it nasty enough to offer people a glimpse of hope by selling fake remedies or, or against infection? But this, I must say, I'm appalled. Truly unbelievable, some of the horrible stuff that's going on right now. I want to take a step back and talk about an interesting project you have going at FinTrail, because you folks are known as the, the founder and the community cultivator of something known as the FinTech Financial Crime Exchange. And it's where FinTechs can exchange information about financial crime topologies and best practices. I also understand you've done a survey of your members. Can you give us a bit of background? Sure. So the FinTech FinCrime Exchange was established back in 2017 by FinTrail together with the Royal United Services Institute, one of the oldest UK FinTech. And as you rightly said, it, it brings together a global network by now of FinTechs to collaborate on the best practices in financial crime risk management. Uh, back in 2017, I joined FFE as a member. We, back then, I was the MLRO of an Italian Imani institution. So I've seen that initiative from the member side. And then when I joined Fintray last year, you know, I've, I've seen that from, from the inside, really. So I think it's a, it's a great initiative showing how young companies, young and, and some of them not that young anymore, can come together to fight crime. Part of that exchange, that information and typologies is also trying to share the best practices because of the current situation. What we decided to look at now is how companies approach their business continuity planning from purely anti-financial crime perspective. So how do they protect their anti-financial crime functions within? Cool. So what have been some of your preliminary findings from the survey? Only 8% of respondents responded a medium level impact of the day-to-day duties and no fintech reporting a high level impact. However, some respondents highlighted that keeping productivity and morale up for a long period of time is a key concern and there's no surprise with that, I suppose. A majority of our service participants responded that all the fintech, FinCrime staff is currently working remotely. And, so, and as mentioned previously, some of the firms enforced that even before the actual government lockdown came in force. That sounds really interesting. I look forward to reading that full report. Will it be publicly distributed? Yeah, well, so initially we published among the members. Definitely will be then published on the FFE website. Perfect. That's really good intel. We were talking a little bit earlier about the different scams that is now fortunately circulating. We do know that there are different areas where fin, fin crime can arise for the fintech industry as well when it comes down to onboarding new clients and then, you know, while the accounts are in, in operation, so to speak. What do you see being the bigger of those two risks during this very interesting and hectic time? So far, our members have not identified any uh, particular increase in suspicious activity. But remember, we ran that survey two weeks ago, early days. And there could be different reasons for that, maybe just too early to say, or because the landscape is shifting so quickly and we might not be looking at the right places. According to uh, law enforcement, uh, especially here in Sweden, we have seen a decrease in different type of crime typologies for for this period. But we also have seen a, a, an increase, of course, scams and fraudulent behaviors being one of them, but also, of course, more attacks on, on cyber networks and, of course, the cyber crimes. But then again, people are staying at home. So it's it's much harder for people to then steal mail out of your mailboxes. It's easier for them to attack you, of course, online. Yes, but when it comes to what you've highlighted about you know different points where 
company could be potentially exposed to the risk, whether at the onboarding stage or whether during the actual account operation. If you look at the previous stats and the Finance UK fraud de facto report is a very good source. So it says that in 2019, there was a 41% decrease in application fraud and 31% increase in account takeover. So it's interesting to see whether that might indicate that we're getting better at fighting the application fraud. And that's why the frauds that are moving on and actually attack accounts as and when they're being operated by customers. You know, we were talking about AI the other day, Greg, in terms of transaction monitoring. Customer behavior has clearly changed over the last few weeks, whether it's ceasing to use the cash machines, shopping online for food, to even companies and the goods they're ordering for distribution. What do you see as risks here from a financial crime perspective? Well, we have certainly entered a period when yesterday's unusual is a new usual, and we don't really know what the new unusual is. As an example, the cash usage in the UK has halved in just a few days following the government's imposition of the national right lockdown. And as you rightly highlighted, customers' shopping behavior has drastically changed overnight as well. Although, you know, there might be the same level of online activity, what people are buying now and they were buying a week ago is totally different. I'm also really interested about the possibility of surfing with the ocean kind of tactic. And what I mean is there is a lot of online activity going on right now. Just as many people have signed up for a Zoom account, I can imagine obtaining a mobile banking account is ideal right now to be able to just keep things going day to day. If I were a criminal, I'd be looking to hide amongst that wave of activity, particularly if I was an organized crime group. The volume alone would just make that impossible to detect. What do you think? There is definitely a large group of people who will be joining the online revolution for the first time. And they're mostly the most vulnerable people because probably the reason they have not made that jump yet because they were relying on the branches and ATMs for their day-to-day operations and shopping. So those people are easy prey for cyber fraudsters. Um, Hence, at least in the UK, you know, FCA made this straight call to arms saying that we all need to protect the most vulnerable. At the same time, as you, as you rightly mentioned, organized crime is also going through a very interesting period where potentially the traditional activities are being disrupted through the lockdown itself, right? So how can you continue selling drugs if you're not able to walk freely the street? What I've also seen, and I read one of the reports, is again how the customer's behavior is changing. People panic buying cocaine the same way as they panic buying toilet paper because they start worrying that in a few weeks' time, you know, the price is going to go up uh, or disappear completely. At the same time, they're starting, they're starting running out of cash. So your usual street cash is not longer available. And in the interview with one of the, I think it was a small town a drug dealer, he said he started accepting bank transfer from his most trusted customers because they've got no longer cash to pay him. So obviously this is a procedure crime. We're then going to get straight into banking sector straight away. If that is not a pattern, interesting to be picking up on, on the transaction monitoring systems, I do not know what. That could be quite interesting to follow that transaction for sure. That's right. And, and then on the other hand, something which potentially AI models might not be able to pick on based on previous patterns is activities of, let's say, cash intensive businesses which maybe now are not operating because then so-called non-essential businesses, which probably government forced to close, 
However, if those businesses continue to do those cash deposits or accept payments as a high level, according to the historical model, that's nothing new and nothing suspicious. But potentially at this stage, it's only human who is able to realize that, you know, in this particular town, this particular area, there is no operating business apart from boots and, and big supermarkets. Hence, there should be no transactional activity on those accounts. But it's, it's interesting what you were describing, right? So whether it's a nail bar, a pizza parlor, whatever front is used by criminals who engage in cash-intensive business, you know, a lot of the technology we use to anticipate unusual transaction behavior relies on past data. And right now, we don't have any comparable data for this time. So it, it strikes me that this is not the time to wrongly assume that AI is the sole answer. It seems to me that there must be some element of, of people involved here. Yeah, definitely. And, and probably this is how data scientists need to re- repurpose that. They need that initial human factor into this. Still, they, data will be that those transactions are happening every day, every moment, you know, with, with this, such a high level of online transaction. There is a data to learn from, but we need to learn that much more quicker than we used to. Tell me, Greg, what other things does Fintrail have planned over the next little while to keep its members and the broader community engaged? As we no longer can run our monthly meetup the way we used to, face-to-face, then we're actually switching into the virtual meetup and we'll be running first very soon in our three locations in London as well as in Singapore and the US. So stay tuned for that, definitely. What type of warning signs do you think of fintechs, and particularly those that are just evolving their businesses right now, what, what do you think they need to keep in mind or be on the lookout for in the upcoming days and weeks to make sure their products and services aren't used by criminals? Interesting question. I think they definitely need to think outside of the box how suddenly their products could be misused in this new environment where everything seems to be upside down. Do you see any silver lining on the cloud when it comes down to, to this? Do you think, do you see any type of positive outcome? I think the experience, it, and it is a global experience, do get people together. Certainly we, uh, as a FinTry, we experience that among ourselves. We talk to each other more often. I have a final question. The survey, when will it be out and where can I find it? For any information on FinTrial or FinTech FinCrom Exchange, go to our website, fintrial.co.uk, and you will find not only the upcoming papers, but all our previous papers, which, among others, touch on the AI, a need for collaboration, and some other interesting topics. Thank you, Greg, for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on this podcast. And if you would like to do as Greg, join us. Well, send us an email on LinkedIn or send us a note on our website, captivatedaudience.eu. It's been a pleasure to have you listening into this podcast. And please stay safe. There'll be some changes made today. There'll be some changes made.